It's Wednesday, the 23rd of December. Welcome to our afternoon sport deep dive. I'm Tim Gilbert. You can catch us. Weekend edition Sky News on the weekends, obviously. And Shane Lee. How are you, Shana? Mate, I'm really good. It's a very special day today. I'm actually taking on my brother Brett in the annual Christmas tennis challenge, mate. So I'm 40 years undefeated, but the problem is, mate... um, He's looking a bit fitter than me at the moment, and I didn't have a great preparation on the scotch last night. So we'll see how that goes. No, I heard it, I heard a little <laughs> bit about the dimple, and, and obviously there's been a there's been a bit of a bug go through the house as well, which yes. is uh, which has shed a few kilos, which for me would be very good. Yep, it's definitely working. So uh, we'll see how it goes today, mate. How are you going? Good. Yeah, I'm great, mate. I look forward to you, uh, hearing what happens with the wooden Oliver racket and the tennis balls. <laughs> look, today we've got Catherine McGregor, a cricket journalist, of course, wrote a great article the other day about the synergy and the link between Australia and India. We're going to talk to her. Johnny Stephenson, plenty to tic-tac with him about. Lewis Hamilton got absolutely nailed by COVID. He's come out and said lost four kilos and trying to work back has been difficult. So we've got all that and there's so much cricket to talk about. Let's start it now. All right, let's start talking about this cricket, Shano. And Steve Smith has been very critical of Ian Chappell. Now, to get a bit of history on this, Chappelle's come out and said, look, I don't know about this targeting lower order batsmen with bounces. Uh, why not just try to get them out? Steve Smith says, no, nah, it should be just have a crack. Yeah, there's two parts to this. I think firstly, um, I, I support Steve Smith. I, I think he should be able to bounce the, the tail end. I don't have a problem with that. They, they wear helmets and they practice enough these days. Saying that, I think Steve Smith should have a little bit more respect for Ian Chappell, the way and the tone that he used. You know, the reason that Steve Smith earns so much money these days is because someone like Ian Chappell had the had the balls to go away with Kerry Packer back. But the rules do state you can't bounce the tail you know, often. So there's a bit of a balancing act. But yeah, Steve Smith should have a little bit more respect for Ian Chappell, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. He should do, shouldn't he? Because it wasn't long ago that we saw, and we all felt sorry for him when we saw him in tears. It was a, it was a, one of those look away moments in that media conference at the the airport. But I think it sort of jarred a lot of people when you're thinking, "Come off it, really? Is that who you, do you realise who you're talking to? Like a guy that's nearly eighty, and as you say, was a trailblazer. He definitely was. And, and the thing too is, Ian Chappell loves cricket, and he's not involved as much these days, which would be absolutely killing him. Um, he'd just been sent home due to being living on the northern beaches. So he's in lockdown, so he's probably going a little bit stir-crazy as well. So yeah, I'll give, give Ian Chappell a bit of a break here, I think. Yeah, I don't know. It's a difficult one. I'm, I sort of side with Ian Chappell on this. I don't know whether you can target lower-order batsmen too much. I mean, I was a lower-order batsman in some pretty poor cricket, and all they needed to do was put it on the middle stump, and that wood would go flying. So that that's a separate story. Look, let's talk about this DRS and the Big Bash. They, they sort of have to bring it in, don't they? That umpire last night when Usman Khawaja, yeah, had more wood on it than the, the pine forest, and it went straight to the keeper's gloves. It seems like he was the only one who didn't see it. Yes, Brad McNamara would say you could pull the splinters out of the ball and build a billy cart. It was, it was absolutely a appalling decision. Um, and he said he hit the ground. And if you watch the replay, his bat was at least half a metre from the ground. So, yeah, that was an absolute clang of that one. And um, look, umpires do make mistakes, but if the whole ground can hear it, uh, everyone sitting at home watching it can hear it. Um, I'm not quite sure how the umpire missed that one. Should they get the DRS now? Look, it's, it seems to be a bit of a, a summer staple for people to be watching the Big Bash. It's on every second night, and a decision like that, you I mean you're not going to get that in under twelves with the with the with you know with the, the third drops dad umpiring. 
Yeah, the reason they're not using it, it's a couple of reasons. One, the technology costs quite a bit for the broadcaster. But secondly, it um, it does slow the game down. So I think everyone enjoys the big bash. You get on with it. No, they're not questioning decisions. So it's a bit of a bit of a balancing act there. But look, you know, that that's the beauty of cricket. Um, you know, I played for for 20-odd years, and some days you get the, the rub of the green, and some days you don't. Now, finally, you did mention at the head of the show that you've got your tennis challenge, the Lee Tennis Challenge. Um, <laughs> where are the strengths and weaknesses? Are you more your Ilya Nastasi-like? Do you wear the sweatbands on both the head and the arms? Can you give us a little bit of a snapshot of what's going to happen on court today in uh, Mount Warrigal between you and Brett? Well, it's pretty warm down here, so I probably need a whole uh, bodysuit of sweatbands, I reckon. But um, he's going to definitely run me around. But yeah, I'm, I'm a serve volley man, mate. So uh, yeah, push Brett back. He's got a poorly backhand, so I'll be pushing the ball to his uh, backhand side quite often today. And he's yet to beat you. 40 years, mate, undefeated. Yeah, okay. Shane Lee takes on Brett Lee in the Australian <laughs> Wollongong Tennis Challenge. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll get all the results tomorrow. This is Afternoon Sport. Coming up next, Catherine McGregor. Afternoon sport, and it's a real treat to have freelance writer, TV host, Catherine McGregor. I was going to go on with everything else you've done and you do, but uh, it would take too long. You're quite credentialed. How are you? I'm very well, Tim. Merry Christmas. It's close enough to say that now, I think, isn't it? And to you, Shane, and all your listeners. Yes. Merry, Merry Christmas, Catherine. Brett, Brett sends his regards, too. Mate, how's he going? Hasn't got a temperature or ruddy nose, I hope. No, he's fine, but... Uh, They're taking each other on in a tennis game today. This is a, a long tradition down in Wollongong, so it's Shane taking on Brett, and Shane's actually dominated on the tennis court. 40 years undefeated, but uh, he's looking a little bit fitter than me at the moment. I was going to say, <laughs> uh, look, I sent Chappelle a text, by the way, and said, now that he's back at Avalon, I've circulated a photograph of... KD Walters to yes. Border Force with strict orders that if uh, anyone's seen carrying a cart over the spit bridge <laughs> needs to be intercepted immediately. I love it. Well, let's let's start with this article from the Australian the other day. I really enjoyed it. So congratulations on that. But you you wrote about this great synergy between Australia and India. And Shane and I have travelled a lot, worked a lot in India, and and we we have a real uh, affection to that country and its people. But what your article did was really show how close we are. Adversaries on the cricket pitch, but beyond that, we're friends. Well, very true. And the person who brought that home was, as I mentioned in the article, Rahul Dravid. Mm. And Binger wrote once in an article somewhere, I think, if you don't admire Rahul Dravid, then your life's not going very well, or words to that effect. (laughs) And, mm. as, and you guys will attest if you know him, he's, yep. he's one of the most gentlemanly, humble, impressive guys I've ever seen in any sport. He's the champion. Ed Smith, the England selector, wrote a beautiful tribute to him when he retired where he said he is a timeless champion of steel and dignity. And mm. with his departure, I feel like a golden era of cricket is closing. And that speech blew me away. He talked about the Anzac legend in our war memorial. And I kid you not, I looked around a room of some pretty hard markers and and crusty old test players and former test players Mm. and even a man there from the famous Victory Tests who was still alive. And there was hardly a dry eye in the place as he delivered that speech. So I had a chat to Rahul in the nets at Manuka the next day and said, mate, that's about as good a speech as I've heard. And he just shrugged and said, look, thanks. And I said, if it's not rude, did you write it yourself? And he said, oh, yeah, I write my own stuff always. And Lakshman told me when we had a chat at another occasion 
that when Raoul would go on tour, he'd disappear and you'd find him in a bookstore. Yeah, no, I, I was just going to say, um, so I've been to India probably 40 odd times and um, they've changed a lot since I went there in the sort of late 80s. Uh, right through to now, it's sort of almost the the, the little brothers become the the father now. They, they they've changed. That's had a lot to do with the IPL. Have you experienced that sort of change over there? Indeed, indeed. Um, not as not on the frequency you have uh, mm. at all. But a, a few anecdotes that bring it home to to me, Shane. Uh, I covered the Indian tour of England in two thousand and fourteen, and again had the pleasure of sharing the box with. Rahul, Harsh and um, and Sarah of a couple of times, especially at Trent Bridge, and a nice little sidebar because I know you've got a lot of tragics listening in. It was Sunil Gavaskar's 65th birthday, which if you have a look, I think it's July 11 or something. It was mid- right in the middle of the Trent Bridge test. Anyway, the England cricket board giants, you know, is the former home yes. of the game, they were walking on broken eggshells right up to lunchtime, wondering whether the Indian BCCI delegate was going to attend lunch because we'd had Sonny's 65th over the road from the Radcliffe Road entrance in the pub the night before, and they'd laid on a lunch. And I'll tell you, it was like an international summit between superpowers. The BCCI did not turn up and the POMs were, didn't know what to do. So they they populated the table. Kapil was there, Kapil Dev, and they grabbed Saurav and they grabbed Rahul and a few others to fill the table. But they were on notice that the centre of gravity had shifted to India. And I've I've noticed that both at a political level with our leadership, our people take them very, very seriously strategically, especially in power balancing against China. But as a cricket team, and you again, on the field you'd notice it, they don't have a swagger, but there's more confidence. Oh yeah, there's 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 no more subservience, is there? Like a lot of the Indian teams of years gone by, uh, apart from that that moment in Melbourne, I think where where Sonny led the team off the field, you didn't really see it. But but under the stewardship of Ganguly and now Kohli, they're they're very they're they're an aggressive cricket team and a very good team. That does make us get to the point of how Adelaide finished. That was just. Can you believe it? 36 runs. How do you think they'll regroup for, for Boxing Day? Well, I, Tim, that's the big question because what that and, – and Shane spanned the era. That's what, you know, Steve Wall would call, um, you know, mental disintegration. Yeah. And that, you know, that was the kind of goal that Australian teams would try to achieve, by, especially against India. I, you know, as you, you guys know, talk, talking to the – again, to the purists a bit – if you could keep India in the field for a while on our bigger grounds, you could wear them down a bit because they're out cricket. They tended to be a bit lazy. Mm. They, you'd, often, you'd often have pretty stellar batting lineups but not raw pace, and their out cricket could be a little bit shabby, and if you kept them in the field, it would often flow into their batting. Now, under Virat and Ravi, they've developed a lot more mongrel, as we'd call it in Australian cricket. Mm. They've got an edge. So that surprised me because – it was a total collapse and it looked to me like a team that that looked like what you'd expect in a fourth or a fifth test of a rubber after you've really got to a team. Now, let's not take anything away from our pace trio. They bowl beautifully, top of off, beautiful fourth stump line with the ball doing a little bit. Mm. Uh, but again, let's remember, if I, I thought if they, were, if they got 180, I thought they'd win. I thought 230 on you know, in Adelaide under lights, is a decent total. You know, you take your par from 400 to about 250, I reckon, and yep, batting right. last. Yep. 
I don't think you have to set a huge total to, to beat them. And so to get 36 was culpable. And I I have a big question mark over how psychologically they will bounce back without Virat. Look, I, th- I think they will bounce back. I think it comes down to if you if you look at the English uh, the English cricket team through the sort of 90s, they're all playing a lot of county cricket, and by that you you get to bat every second day. Um, so if you get out, it doesn't matter. And I think that the Big Bash and the the IPL in 2020 has really brought that in where where players the ball doesn't move a lot. They play on flat wickets. And you, you get another bat tomorrow, so there's, there's no real fight. And you, you're dead right. Our, our trio bowled beautifully. They, they bowled really well, but you know it, they shouldn't have bowled a team out for 36. Well, I'm pleased to hear you say it, Shane, both mm. for, for their sake, because I, I, I've got, and I know you feel the same way, and so does Brett, that I've got a great affection for India and its people. And, I, I, you know, I barrack for Australia. I'm a patriotic Australian, but I, I love seeing India do well because you know the billions of people over there who it affects their lives. You know, you see humble people with barely any darn drinking water huddled around a little transistor radio that we would have thrown out 20 years ago, listening to every ball. And it's not unknown when they used to play Pakistan, depending who won, there would be suicides in one country or the other. Like people's, their whole heart, Life, morale depends on it. So when they get skittled and lose badly, it breaks some of their hearts, you know. So I felt for the country, and I, I don't want to see a, a whitewash. I know Punter said he thought he could see 4 nil coming. I really hope he's wrong about that. I hope it, hope it goes down to the wire. Yeah, and, and, and the thing is, is, there's so much to it, isn't there? You look, As you just mentioned so articulately about the, the radios and you go through shanty towns and there's satellite dishes up and, 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 and it really is a religion. It's not an overstatement. There also, I think the fact that T20 has taken on such a hold that we need to see India, we need to see South Africa, we need to see West Indies, Australia, South Africa, all propagating and going well in test cricket because it's a game we absolutely love. Look, Catherine, we, we won't we won't knock on your door every day, but we'd love to have a chat um, when, when, when you're free. Um, just tell us about your new TV show. Congratulations. Friday night on Sky News. Yeah, uh, called The McGregor Angle, and um, I'm in the chair next week for, for Jonesy on Inside the News. So if you'd like to have the discussion... Uh, I would be, I'd welcome it immensely. So yep, we'd we'd absolutely love to. You do that, Catherine. Excellent. I'll get my guy to talk to your guy, mate. All right, beautiful. And, and look, stay safe. And uh, Shane, I hope you don't go over to the to the guy in the chair and give him a McEnroe spray if Binger gets on top of you. <laughs> no, look, look, I I, I, I won't need to, man. I'm going to run around like a dog today. <laughs> Is that right? What are, <laughs> yeah. you, what are you nuts? Did you see that? <laughs> yeah, well, it's controversial. Don't worry. There's been a bug go through the house. Look, this is more. Yeah. There's more angles to this than. Bob in the beautiful season seven, so we're going. We'll get some feedback on it. Look, Merry Christmas to you and yours, and it's it's always a pleasure to talk socially or on the air, and uh, we look forward to doing it again soon. A joy to be with you. So bless bless all of you, and we'll we'll talk soon. Merry Christmas, Catherine, and you too, Shane. Coming up next, Johnny Stephenson. All right, this is Afternoon Sport, and uh, it's time to wrap with our man, John Stephenson. How are you, Johnny? Hey, Timmy. Hey, Shane. How are you boys going? Hey, isn't it great? I love Christmas. I love the festive uh, season. I'm looking forward to uh, to having a great weekend. It'd be nice if we could see a few people, but uh, anyway, uh, that happens. So I won't get political. I've been uh, chastised by my producer before by <laughs> leaning out of sport. 
I hear you, I hear you. Hey, John, what did you think of Charlie and Tiger Woods? Hey, Shane, I mean, I think the whole world is captivated. And look, it's not an uncommon story um, seeing ex-sports players and their kids emulating and following them in the, in the mm. same sport. But I think what captivates us with Tiger is that he was such an icon in golf. And he, he was, look, we all regard him as, as probably one of the greats of the game. And to watch his son, especially dressed up in the same Nike gear and the same colors and, and even his technique is, is so Tiger-esque, I think it really just got the creative mind flowing for the sports fans and sports viewers. I'll tell you, I actually saw this really, really cool video on uh, Instagram last night of um, his son sinking a putt and, and chasing the ball into the hole and doing the <laughs> famous, you know, the famous Tiger yeah. Woods, you know, a little uppercut when, when the ball dropped in. So uh, it's, it's such a cool story. But like I said, it's not an uncommon story, but I think Tiger really captivates us and still to this day. He's definitely cut from the same cloth and not Nike cloth, that is. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and they wore the red shirts on the final day, which, yes. is, which was great to see on, uh, which, which Tiger's done with all 15 majors and all the other many tournaments between him and Jack Nicholas, the two greatest golfers of all time. But look, there's lots of dads and sons, dads and daughters, mums and sons, mums and daughters that we've seen who have carried on this, uh, you know, strong gene into sports, haven't we? Like in boxing, you've got right here, Kostya Zhu, Tim Zhu, uh, Tony Mundine, Anthony Mundine. I mean, the list goes on, doesn't it? Michael Schumacher, Mick Schumacher. A hundred percent. I mean, I can keep continuing for you. Got the Ball brothers. I mean, there's three sensational brothers playing in the NBA. You got Nathan Cleary and, and his son. I mean, he just it, and and it's it's cool. I mean, me as a dad, I got I got a beautiful daughter and two sons. I would love to one day be able to watch my son win a running race or play sport. I, I mean, that, that, I just think that's every father's dream is to to leave their, their kids with the best opportunities in life. And, and and then I think all of us maybe just a little bit live through our kids, you know, which I think is healthy. I don't think it's such a negative thing. And then it's great. It's great having role models, if we can call them that, um, in Tiger and all these other fathers and sons that are, and, and mothers and daughters that are that are continuing this for us to look up to. Hey, John, do you reckon you'll be, as, as a father, watching your, your son or your daughter play or run? Do you think you'll be a Demir Dockage type? Or? Demir Dockage. Fish and chips <laughs> yeah. at the US Open. I'm a mixture between, uh, I can't remember Serena and Venus Williams' dad's name. What, what was his name? Was uh, it Richard? Was it Richard? Well, let's, call, let's, let's call him Richard, right? I'll be a mixture between I think that's Richard. his name. All right, well, okay, well, no worries, Tim. We'll call him Richard. We'll and, call him because it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, With a sprinkling of Demir, right? Oh, and, Demir. A, and, a, and a little bit of Bernard Tomic's dad. Just all sprinkled in. It'll be just a mad cocktail, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty lethal cocktail. But I know I have my limitations and I, I would probably – I'd probably try and pull back a bit if I if I had my uh, my youngster playing um, any sort of sport. It was Richard Williams, yeah, American tennis father. Yeah, there it is, right there. He's seventy eight. He lives in Louisiana, United States. So uh, that's just that's just by the by. Uh, but Johnny, let's talk motorsport. That was uh, really interesting. What Lewis Hamilton had to say about how much COVID had smashed him to bits, loss of four kilos. He's struggling to get back uh, to his peak in the gym. I mean, it's going to be a bit controversial, but my man's vegan, mate. You need protein to put muscle on. So, what is what is he what is he expecting? You know what I mean? Like he's he's losing weight. He's he's got COVID. Not a nice thing to hear from uh, like that. He's you know that he's that he got depleted, but. He was sick, you know. This this is what happened. He needs a cow knuckle, mate. <laughs> mate he needs some of those nutrients <laughs> of those cow knuckles, you know what I'm saying? Like, what's wrong with it? Like, nah, but in all seriousness, uh, it was it was a crazy story. I'm um, seeing 
Um, Lewis say how much COVID knocked him around. It didn't surprise me. We all know how serious COVID can be. Um, but to see him jump back in the car um, and race, he said you could hear throughout the broadcast that he was struggling a bit behind the wheel and the heat was getting to him and he just felt a bit malnourished. But he said over the course of the year, he lost six kilos and the final four kilos was um, in, the, in the last race because of COVID. So all up, you're looking at, you know, um, through a Formula One season, they naturally do lose a bit of weight because they don't get as many hours training. Um, also, beyond being in a race car, you lose so much water weight um, every time you step in the car. And this year, they had back-to-back weeks of racing. So I think it really knocked, knocked the drivers' bodies around throughout the season. Um, but when you look at when you look at what Lewis, I think, is embarking on now, he said, look, I'm just going to go back to the gym. I'm going to start you know, trying to put on this lean muscle mass again and hopefully be ready for next season. So I don't think it's going to be any problems for him. I just think it's a, it's a, it's a calm. It's a, a crazy year in sport and a crazy year for, for motorsport, especially Formula One. What would someone like Lewis Hamilton weigh? Because like four kilos seems a lot. If he's not that tall. I'm, I'm assuming what, he'd weigh it. I, I, I can lose four kilos after dinner. <laughs> But listen, I'll tell you something. Um, that's a good question, Shane, because, you know, in Formula One, everything matters. And, and when I saw and I read this in the article, I thought, well, six kilos is a huge difference. And, and everything mm. is about weight in a Formula One car. So um, uh, that's that's really interesting, whether it's something that they plan to lose weight throughout the season in order to adjust the car, because two kilos in the Formula One car is huge. So, um, you know, because they all work on, you know, a center of gravity. And, sure. and, and so I, I found that really interesting. So... Um, but yeah, I, I know there's a lot of restrictions for Formula One drivers that they have weight restrictions that they can't go over. What about what about uh, uh, Tim Zhu in this uh, world title fight being put off? Yeah, the, the, this is a little bit sad this week because I mean we've seen the steam train of Tim Zhu in boxing, especially Australian boxing, and um, and he, he was after beating Bowen Brown on, on um, last week. He was he was butted to have a title shot against um, a, a Brazilian fighter by the name of uh, Patrick Teixeira, but. Because of this whole COVID situation at the moment, um, Patrick was, wasn't uh, – there was doubts about him being granted access into the States, so which then meant that the, a fighter by the name of Brian Constano from Argentina was going to be the number one contender, which Tim would fight for the WBO belt, which would see him be a legitimate WBO world champion. Um, over the last couple of days, Patrick obviously uh, was able to receive his access into America, and now the world title fight against Brian Costano and Patrick Teixeira is on, which means that Tim has to wait a little bit longer for this world title shot, which I don't think is actually a bad thing for Tim. It'll give him another year to sort of hone his skills. It'll allow us to see him again fight probably another Australian fighter, maybe even uh, Michael Zarafa, which I think would be a, a blockbuster fight in Australia. And um, and, and I, think, I think for his progression, it, it sort of gives him a bit of time to hone his skills just a little bit more before we see him be world champion. But he's definitely heading in the right direction. Just a quick one on Paul Gallen. Um, he wanted to fight... Uh, Robert Whitaker and Whitaker called him a flog and said, "Fight someone your own weight." Now, that that's great drama there, isn't it? Yeah, I I, I don't think it was Whitaker that called him a flog, but one one ex MMA fighter called him out and um, gotcha. and essentially said, uh, "Look, you know, one you fight, you know, proper boxes. If you want to test your skills, why are you calling out guys that are fifteen kilos lighter than you?" Um, look, we know Gallon's play here, and I'm I'm not going to even throw hate on Gal. Look, the guy has got. Massive crowd appeal. Um, he can fight. Um, he's, he's, he's matching up against, you know, 
opponents that are to his level, to his caliber, and he's getting in there and he's fighting them. And and, and I think that's, that's the beauty about boxing. It's it's all styles make fights. It's not always about champion versus champion and testing yourself just about champion. That's what makes boxing such an interesting sport. So um, I don't see anything that Rock Gelly is doing. Yeah, he got called out. A few a few people, pure purists in the MMA and boxing world are not happy with him. But hey, I think they're more upset with the fact that his bank balance keeps uh keeps going cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. So anyway. Yep. All right. I love a little yep. bit of ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. I love the whole idea of Demir and Bernard Tomic's dad and Richard Williams <laughs> being all cocktailed into one when Rusty goes out and takes out the 400 metres in the Commonwealth Games of 2039. John, we'll talk soon. Have a very Merry Christmas. Boys, have a great Christmas, and uh, and I'm, I'm sure you guys are going to eat as much food as I am. So anyway, right. love Go you easy. both, and we'll speak to you soon. Go easy on the knuckles, mate. Chat soon. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you goes out to Catherine McGregor and to John Stephenson. Thank you to our sponsors, O'Brien Beer and Spartan Sports. And, of course, he is to podcast what Rick Charlesworth was and is to the world of hockey. His name is Dan <laughs> McHugh. Thank you so much, Dan, for today. Or what Chopin was to piano. Shano, we'll talk tomorrow. We'll see you then.